here we go. The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I am thrilled that you're listening. It's been a few days since I've recorded, and I think, honestly, I kind of felt like I was catching something a couple days ago. And of course, my brain immediately goes to coronavirus because that's just how our brains have been wired over the last few weeks. If anything goes wrong, instantly we think of the coronavirus, which I think is kind of one of the points that I want to make today. First of all, welcome to the show. If you dig it, head over to iTunes, write a review, share it with friends, reach out to me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn and say hello. I think about this concept. If something is pounded into your brain over and over again, you're going to believe it. And it goes, you know, I try to memorize and learn some new words every day. I have these vocabulary apps and you have to keep saying it over and over again until you remember. And then you need to use the words in a sentence and pretty soon it becomes a part of your vocabulary. If you do nothing but look at the news, watch the media, read the newspaper, the New York Times, you are going to believe that the coronavirus is the worst virus slash infection slash disease this world has ever seen. You know, I got a text from a friend of mine today basically asking me, well, do you still think that the coronavirus is no big deal? And then my brother the other day asked me, you know, how many people are, how many people are going to have to die until you take this seriously? I'm taking it seriously. I wear a mask when I go out to the grocery store. I have gloves now that I use. When I go to the grocery store, I just don't know if this is any different from any of the previous pandemics, viruses we have ever faced, the only difference is, is that there are so many agendas, there is so much polarization and division. Immediately, if you question what's going on, you're called a hater or you're a Republican. I cannot tell you how many times friends of mine just immediately say, oh, you must watch Fox News or, oh, you must support Trump. And it's just ludicrous to me that we now live in a world where if somebody questions what's going on, you're a hater or a Republican or you're just trying to become or you're a you're just being a devil's advocate. I'm not doing I'm not any of those things. I am stunned and shocked at how easily people have just accepted that we should just stay home and shut the country down. You know, I go through these phases where, you know, I just sort of don't think about it too much. But then I open up the newspaper briefly or I talk to friends and I speak to friends also who do think like I do. They're just scared to say something or they don't want to go there. And it's easier to just accept what's happened and try and live our day-to-day lives like we're told that we should be doing. Yeah, of course I have adjusted my life and I'm not some renegade and running up and down the streets telling people to come outside. And I just don't think people are really objectively looking for information that could possibly assuage some of your fears and anxiety 
add a little bit of perspective, and I think it's impossible. I predicted about a year and a half ago, my show predicted that Instagram and social media were ruining the world, and I am convinced right now that that has virtually happened. Social media gives a platform where everybody thinks their opinions are fact. It also has created and shifted brains in communication where people are incapable of hearing somebody else's opinion or perspective. And if it's different from theirs, they get angry or upset or call that person a hater, in my case, a hater. They then will call them names or say, oh, you must be a Republican or some Fox News um, you must you must watch Fox News. I haven't watched Fox News in, in, in I don't think I've ever watched Fox News except maybe like ten years ago. I, I don't even remember. I'm angry and disappointed and shocked. And there are people right now that are capitalizing on what's going on right now. A friend of mine said to me, you know, there are people out there that are benefiting from this, whether it be the Uber wealthy. Amazon, grocery stores, healthcare, China is benefiting from this. And I don't think anybody out there is adding any perspective or sharing any information that is alleviating any tension. And I was thinking, it almost feels like ignorance and fear. Those two emotions slash, I don't, ignorance isn't isn't an emotion, but I guess a trait, a human trait. The media and politicians are playing off human beings' ignorance, unwillingness to get more information, and they're playing off people's fear. I I walk outside... And I'm telling you, I don't think this country, I can only speak for America because that's where I am now, is ever going to psychologically or emotionally repair itself from this quote-unquote crisis. I don't see or imagine people feeling comfortable giving each other hugs. This six-feet social distancing, flattening the curve, it is ruining human beings. The normal day-to-day interaction between human beings, I don't think will ever be the same. And if it is, subconsciously, people are going to be thinking, does this person have something that I could catch? And I look, I've felt that way for the last 10, 15 years of my life. I caught um, an autoimmune disease when I was 12 where I was in and out of the hospital for for years. It came back and I was on lots of medication. It kind of probably contributed to my germophobia and some of the anxieties that I have. I'm not religious and I think I've always had this fear of death and dying and getting sick, not being in control. Those have been underneath the surface of my psyche probably for most of my life. And I've worked very hard at managing it. I fight through it and still travel. I've been using masks on planes for years. I've practiced social distancing for years. If I go to a a store or a grocery store and people are sneezing or coughing, it, it freaks me out. I'll either leave or I'll hold my breath. I don't like shaking hands. I don't think any of this behavior is anything to be lauded. <laughs> I'm not necessarily proud of it, but I, I think I've behaved this way for many years. I think to myself, a world of people acting like that 
is going to be incredibly damaging, toxic, and it's, it's not a good look, but that's where, that's where we are. And I don't know if we'll ever recover from it. I'm disappointed in what's happened. I think there's a better way that this situation could have been handled. Of course, I'm not some magician that has the answers here, but I don't like the repercussions that we're going to be facing because of this social distancing, this, this, for, this force in which the country's forced us to stay home. I don't know if we'll ever recover. And what's frustrating to me is when people then question my thinking, they'll say, well, what about, you know, the people over the age of 70 or 80 that are, that are dying? You know, 6,000 people have died as of this recording from the coronavirus. And I'm not being insensitive to these 6,000 people that have died. All I'm saying is, is that every single day there is tragedy 1,600 people die every single day from cancer. Forty to 50,000 people die every year from car crashes. I'm going to keep reading more statistics. I just get the sense that the world, the government, the media is playing off of people's fear. And this idea of prediction and the unknown, the reality is we still don't know how serious this virus is. And we won't know probably for about six months. And then when Dr. Fauci is basically saying, I don't think the world should go back to how it was until there are no more cases. I mean, that's just crazy. So we're going to be like this until there are no more coronavirus cases. That isn't an answer. It just, it feels like we have completely ignored all the other health issues that are happening or that have happened every single day. And we have some new virus, which is clearly a virus that I, look, I believe it's there. But since we don't have a vaccine, it's freaking people out. We never got a vaccine for the swine flu. Even with the vaccine, 40,000 people have died this year from this year's flu in America. 16 million people have been diagnosed with the flu. These numbers are still far greater than the coronavirus. And, you know, again, somebody said to me, well, when are you going to take this seriously? I am taking it seriously. I just don't think it warrants a whole country being shut down. Because the depression, the isolation, people losing jobs, people feeling disconnected, it's all of that is going to far exceed any sort of damage in my mind that was done by the coronavirus. So I want to keep reading more statistics to you. 40,000 people have died from the flu this year, so far 6,000 from the coronavirus. And of course, people out there will say, well, if it weren't for us taking all these measures, there would be plenty more deaths happening. And I get that. (laughs) But why weren't we taking all these measures two years ago when there were 80,000 deaths from the flu? Why aren't we taking all these measures when there's 50,000 people that are dying from opioid um, overdose? I mean, this is a very, the country, the media, politicians have latched onto this story with such vigor, they are not going to let go. And back to my point at the very beginning of the show, you remember something when it's told to you over and over again. So if you keep seeing these numbers, these fear-mongering stories, these fear-inducing stories that are written every single day in every publication across the country, everybody is thinking about the coronavirus. And I think to myself, right now is a really terrible time to have any health condition. 
Because you could have heart disease, you could have cancer, nobody cares. You could be getting married in a couple of weeks, you could, be, you could pass away, or one of your best friends passes away, and nobody can go to the funeral. I mean, think about that. And again, I've said this a few weeks ago, I still believe South Korea is the best indicator of the statistics. 99% of the cases there are considered mild. And then again, a lot of people say, well, what about New York? I do think New York is going to be an exception. And I do think densely populated cities are going to fare worse just naturally because of how they're constructed. And I think that's the same case when the flu comes out every year. I do believe big cities like New York fare terribly every single year when it comes to the flu. Back to my statistics. And again, before I read them, sorry, I keep postponing it. If the media would focus on these statistics every day, like they're doing with the coronavirus, then guess what? People would be thinking about these statistics and these health conditions. Heart disease. 640,000 people die every year in America from heart disease. 640,000. 600,000 people die from cancer every year. Already 160,000 people die every year from chronic lower respiratory diseases. So already, and that's probably from smoking, bad air quality, not eating well. So clearly human beings by nature, one of the conditions that they encounter is chronic lower respiratory diseases which is what the coronavirus is. So it's almost like we're susceptible to these types of infections to begin with. Alzheimer's, 120,000 deaths a year. Suicide, 47,000 people die every year from suicide. Influenza and pneumonia, 55,000 people die every year. And diabetes, 83,000. So again, I'm asked, at what point am I going to start taking this seriously? I'm taking it seriously, but why doesn't our country or media care about all these other conditions? You know, they don't even matter anymore. The only thing that matters is the coronavirus. If you have heart disease... If you want to kill yourself, who cares? Not he- I, I, I don't care. That is one of my bigger points here. All people care about is the coronavirus. And all these years of all these other medical conditions that have taken over the world and wreaked havoc, especially, I mean, think about that. 47,000 people die every year from suicide. If the New York Times spent their days talking about that, just like they did the coronavirus, I guarantee you more people would be having a discussion about what we can do to fix the suicide epidemic that happens every single year. It's just mind-boggling to me how easily manipulated human beings are based on the information that they're fed. And the idea that I can't even bring up this idea that this whole situation is a little strange, that people can't even hear that without calling me names, calling me a hater, It's mind-boggling to me. And people out there are still catching colds. People out there are still catching the flu. I mean, I may have caught a cold earlier this week and it slowly went away. I think the reality is, is that people are going to die every single day, whether it's the flu, 
whether it's suicide, whether it's car crashes, whether it's airplane crashes, whether it's the coronavirus, but for whatever the fuck the reason is, this has taken priority over everything and it doesn't make any sense to me. And of course, everybody will respond and say, well, it's more, um, what's the word? Contagious than the flu or, you know, cancer isn't contagious. I still don't think we know how contagious, how do you know, you know, they're using all these models. How do you track contagiousness? Every case is so different. There's no systematic A plus B plus uh, equals C formula to track contagiousness because somebody's immune system could be better. Somebody could be a smoker. Somebody could have not slept the night before. I mean, there's so many variables that explain how contagious a flu or disease could be. You know, if you put somebody in a room that has the coronavirus and somebody in the room that has the flu and all the other 10 people in the room had perfect night's sleep and have strong immune systems and work out every day and eat well, well, I guarantee you less than maybe one of those people in the room will get the the condition. But if you put them in a room where 10 people are obese, they eat terribly, they don't sleep, or they, they sleep terribly, they don't sleep well, they don't take care of themselves, well, then more than likely, there's a chance that more people are going to contract the condition. So there is no simple formula that, in my mind, can quantify contagiousness. But the media, the politicians are using these strange formulas and charts to try and track contagiousness and then freak you out. And then the president or Dr. Fauci will say, well, between 100 and 250,000 people could be diagnosed and contract this. Everything that's happening right now is playing into people's insecurity and fear. Suddenly, people that kill themselves, it doesn't matter anymore. Suddenly, people that have cancer and diabetes, and even people that have diabetes and people say, oh, well, you know, they, were, they had that coming because they didn't eat well or they're overweight. That's just, that's just that's such bullshit because a lot of times with people that are diabetic, it's genetic. And even people that work out every day, exercise and eat well, they're still going to contract diabetes. And it has nothing to do other than the fact that it's just their DNA. I'm just, I'm, I'm picturing people right now that have like stage three cancer that are having to go get chemotherapy every day. And let's say they pass away in two weeks. Nobody can go to their funeral. Nobody's thinking about these people. Nobody's thinking about um, people that work at restaurants that just lost their job. People that live alone that can't go outside. People that are self-employed, small business owners. People are only thinking about predictions, projections, and the possibility of some virus that is, yes, wreaking some havoc in New York City. But how different is this than the chaos that we see every single day in this world? You know, a lot of you may say to yourself, how is this relating to your podcast? My podcast, I've tried to become a voice to speak out against what everybody else is doing. And what everybody else has been doing is staring at their phones and using Instagram, creating more disconnection, reading opinions instead of getting facts, 
sending DMs all day instead of having conversations, our country has dwindled down. Tristan Harris describes it as downgrade. We've all, we've all been downgraded. And this coronavirus is continuing the downgrading of our society, or as I like to say, the downward-facing spiritual spiral. And case in point, the, the Tiger Show on Netflix right now is the most popular show on television or on Netflix. I tried to watch a few episodes, and these people are so idiotic, so distaste, distasteful that I, I can't stand to watch it anymore. And of course, the response is, well, people love watching car crashes, People love watching train wrecks. I just think to myself, millions of people right now, instead of educating themselves, getting more information, are watching that stupid fucking show on Netflix right now. And again, people say, well, they're just trying to get a breather, relax from what's happening from the coronavirus. Everybody's at home. Well, that's the problem. Everybody's at home right now. Instead of becoming more informed, they're numbing out or just reading more information that reinforces their own opinions instead of maybe getting a little bit uncomfortable and reading some other opinions or get some more information about what's going on. People would rather numb out than challenge themselves to get some different perspective on what's going on. And I'm going to share these expert opinions, and then I'll let you go. You know, a lot of people will say, well, Dr. Fauci, is the leading expert when it comes to infectious infectious disease. And it's interesting. I just watched a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. And Larry David goes to get a second opinion. And I think to myself, you would be an idiot if you didn't go get a second opinion. Let's say somebody, you know, you get a diagnosis, a skin cancer diagnosis, or any sort of diagnosis on your kidneys or your mental health, or, I mean, you'd be a fool not to get a second opinion, right? I mean, you are lauded for getting a second opinion. Nobody wants to hear a second opinion. Dr. Fauci's opinion is the only opinion that matters. And I think to myself, the messenger is so important. You know, when when I go to the doctor, I like a doctor with some personality. Even if they're telling, there is a way to communicate bad news. There is a way to communicate news that doesn't freak you out. Dr. Fauci has no conception how to communicate information. And I don't know Dr. Fauci. I don't know his agenda. I don't know anything about him. But when somebody has so much power, and he has a shitload of power right now, people are leaning on his words. He is clueless when it comes to delivery. There is a way to communicate information that alleviates some anxiety. Just like I remember when I was diagnosed with skin cancer, my physician told me in a way that made me feel like I'm not going to freak out and I'm going to be okay. He isn't doing that. He literally wants to freak our whole country out to the point where nobody is going to leave their home until there is no more cases, which is insane. Getting a second opinion is smart. I'm not a doctor, but 6,000 people have died. It's terrible, tragic news. So if we multiply that times four or five to spread it out over the whole year, it's going to end up being about 30,000 people. It's terrible. But uh, what about the 47,000 people that died from suicide this past year? What about the swine flu where there was no vaccine? What about the flu this year that's already had 40,000 people die? 
and there is still there there's a vaccine and 40,000 people still died. Tragedy happens all the time. I'm going to read you some more expert opinions and then I'm going to let you go. And you know, I know people are just quickly going to say I'm a hater. I'm just trying to be devil's advocate. I'm just trying to be stubborn here. No, I'm just trying to educate myself and get as much information as I possibly can because my life has been uprooted just like yours has. And we really have no choice. We just have to just basically stay home. And then even the governor, I think, of California is now offering incentives or if you see people are disobeying the six feet rule, call the police and they'll give you money or they'll they'll give you some sort of benefit for for calling the police and letting them know that people are not adhering to the 6 feet distancing rule. <laughs> it's crazy. I want to read a few more stats and I actually feel like right now I respect people from Germany cuz Germany has handled this virus really well, South Korea and Sweden. Dr. Suchuri Bhakti is a specialist in microbiology, one of the most cited research scientists in German history. What he says, we are afraid that 1 million infections with the new virus will lead to 30 deaths a day over the next 100 days. But we do not realize that 20, 30, 40, or 100 patients positive for normal coronaviruses are already dying every day. The government's anti-COVID-19 measures are grotesque, absurd, and very dangerous. The life expectancy of millions is being shortened. The horrifying impact on the world economy threatens the existence of countless people. The consequences on medical care are profound. Already, services to patients in need are reduced, operations canceled, practices empty, hospital personnel dwindling. All of this impact all of this will impact profoundly on our whole society. Dr. Wolfgang Wodarg is a German physician specializing in pulmonology. He called for an inquiry into alleged conflicts of interest surrounding the swine flu pandemic. He says politicians are being courted by scientists, scientists who want to be important to get money for their institutions, scientists who just swim along in the mainstream and want their part of it. And what is missing right now is a rational way of looking at things. <laughs> uh, exactly my point. Dr. Joel Kettner, a professor of community health sciences at Manitoba University and also works at the International Center for Infectious Disease. I have never seen anything like this, anything anywhere near like this. I'm not talking about the pandemic because I've seen 30 of them every year, one every year. It is called influenza and other respiratory illnesses. We don't always know what they are, but I've never seen this reaction. Again, I think the world is playing on this idea of fear and the unknown. I mean, I certainly get anxious when I travel to a new country and don't know the neighborhood or where I'm going, but it's a natural response to get nervous and scared of the unknown. And boy, the media and the politicians are amping it up as much as they can to freak people out. It's working. It's, it's worked. Dr. John Ionita, professor of medicine at Stanford. Patients who have been treated for SARS-CoV-2 are disproportionately those with severe symptoms and bad outcomes. As most health systems have limited testing capacity, 
selection bias may be even worse in the near future. The one situation where an entire closed population was tested was the Diamond Princess cruise ship and its quarantine passengers. The case fatality rate there was 1%, but this was a largely elderly population in which the death rate from COVID-19 is much higher. Dr. Yoram Loss is an Israeli physician, politician, and former director general of the health ministry. He also worked as an associate dean of the Tel Aviv University Medical School. Italy is known for its enormous morbidity and respiratory problems, more than three times any other European country. In the United States, about 40,000 people die in a regular flu season, and so far, 40 to 50 people have died of the coronavirus. Well, obviously, this article is a little late now. It's 6,000. But still, 40,000 people die a year during the, during the flu season. In every country, more people die from regular flu compared with those who die from the coronavirus. There is a very good example that we will all forget, the swine flu in 2009. That was a virus that reached the world from Mexico. And until today, there is still no vaccination. But what? At that time, there was no Facebook, or there maybe was, but it was still in its infancy. The coronavirus, in contrast, is a virus with public relations. Whoever thinks that governments end viruses is wrong. And then last but not least, I'll read this one. Frank Montgomery is a German radiologist, former president of the German Medical Association. I'm not a fan of lockdown. Anyone who imposes something like this must also say when and how to pick it up again. Since we have to assume that the virus will be with us for a long time, I wonder when we will return to normal. You can't keep schools and daycare centers closed until the end of the year because it will take at least that long until we have a vaccine. Italy has imposed a lockdown and had the opposite effect. They quickly reached their capacity limits, but did not slow down the virus spread within the lockdown. I mean, there's, there's so many more examples, but I'll, I'll just stop there. I don't want to bore you with um, quotes. I'm just finding this whole situation incredibly perplexing, and I'm also disappointed and the world that I lived in, I don't know if it's ever going to look like that. The world that I lived in before the coronavirus, I don't think it's ever going to look that way ever again, at least in my lifetime. I'm not that, that old, but I don't know if we'll ever recover. And it's kind of tragic. And I do know I have to shift my thinking and be a little bit possibly more opportunistic here and try to think of ways to navigate and find some opportunity here because people out there are benefiting from this, whether it's Whole Foods, Amazon, China, uh, grocery stores, healthcare companies, people are benefiting. And so I think we need to quickly navigate and shift and adapt and figure out a way to navigate in this post-coronavirus world that we're going to be hopefully living in soon. So as always, you know, I'm just trying to make some sense here of the insanity, how easily manipulated human beings are, and this idea of not being able to communicate or listen to other people's opinions. I think we need to be open to the idea that there are other opinions out there that may make just as much sense as Dr. Fauci. I think it's really intelligent and really smart to stay curious and be open to 
various opinions, expert opinions, because I would be shocked if Dr. Fauci doesn't have some sort of agenda. And even if he doesn't, the way in which he's communicating is not creating any sort of calm. And that's important. I really, I don't want to, I don't want to stay on this point too long, but I can't help but think back to my doctors and the way they communicate bad news. There is a way of communicating it that still, despite the bad news, creates a sense of calm. That's not happening right now. Nobody out there is creating a sense of calm. As always, if you dig the show, head over to iTunes, write a review, share the show with friends. I have four guests lined up over the next two weeks. So just bear with me here. I had to take a few days off from recording some podcasts. Um, reach out to me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn. You could support me on Venmo at Eddie Cohn or my Patreon, patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. So as always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Thank you.